Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Up next, Out Loud with John O'Caldwell, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. With Democrats in control of the White House and Congress, the left is on the march. Our God-given freedoms are under assault. Will conservatives fight for the American people and stand by their principles? or fold under pressure. This is Out Loud with Gianna Caldwell. Welcome back to Out Loud with Gianna Caldwell. I've got a great show for you guys today. My guest is Tommy Lahren, one of the biggest media personalities out there. A conservative political commentator, Tommy is a host at Fox Nation, and you can see her frequently giving her insights on Fox News. Before Fox, she worked at The Blaze and One American News Network. Tommy is also the author of the 2019 book, Never Play Dead, How the Truth Makes You Unstoppable. Today, Tommy and I discuss gun control, the rise of conservative media, cancel culture, sugar daddies, in relationships, abortion, race, and so much more. Let's go. How are you, Tommy? Great, and we've been wanting to do this for a while, so I'm glad that we got to finally, officially work together. And I always wanted to be on Fox LA with you, with Alex Michelson, and that did not happen because I fled California. But someday we are going to go back and give Alex a hard time. Right, right. And to be honest with you, you weren't the only one that fled. I left two months into the pandemic. So in May, I moved to to Miami. And I think most of the people that really could get out left. And it's sincerely a joke in California right now. It's unfortunate. Oh, it absolutely is. But hey, Miami's <laughs> Miami's getting a little wild too. So, <laughs> you know, never a dull moment in this country in 2020 and 2021. All the spring breakers are coming to to Miami on South Beach and twerking through life. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird scene, but uh, hey, at least someone's having fun, I guess. <laughs> so I want to begin with something that recently happened. A tragedy. Um, I'm talking about Boulder, Colorado, where 10 people were recently murdered in a mass shooting. In response to the shooting, President Biden called for tougher gun control, triggering debate on Capitol Hill. Democrats, as they typically do, are now moving on legislation that would, be, in part, expand background checks to nearly all gun sales. And we seem to go through this process with each shooting that we see, these national incidents. What are your thoughts on the shooting in in Boulder and the left's uh, latest gun control push? Well, we know that the left never lets a tragedy go to waste. But, you know, as this was all unfolding and the facts were coming out, there were so many on the left and so many in the mainstream media who incorrectly labeled the shooter as a white male and some even labeling him as a white supremacist with really no facts to back that up. But as soon as it was revealed that he was, in fact, not a white male or a white supremacist or a Trump supporter, then, of course, it quickly shifted to the firearm and the weapon that he used. And that is where the narrative goes. But, you know, I know 
that we talk about common sense reform, and that's a buzzword that Democrats like to use often. And they like to throw things like red flag laws and background checks and say, how could anybody be against that? Shouldn't we know who's getting what and, and whose firearm and, and what they have? Well, a couple things on that. Number one, shall not be infringed means shall not be infringed. And when you start stacking up these infringements, it's really just chipping away at our Second Amendment rights. So if anybody thinks that they're going to end at increased background checks, they haven't been watching the Democrats for the last 20 plus years. And furthermore, let's talk about that. We need to have increased background checks for, for law-abiding Americans, but we don't have to have background checks or accountability for the hundreds of thousands of illegals invading our borders right now? I mean, Democrats, if you want to talk about safety and security, you can't just pick and choose which safety and security you want to root for. At the end of the day, though, it's all agenda-driven, so it doesn't surprise me, but I just hope the American people understand what's going on and they wake up, and when they hear buzzwords like common sense gun reform, they should know it's a load of BS. Yeah, and being an individual from the city of Chicago and seeing how comprehensive the gun control laws there has been, but yet you'll see 30 people shot in a weekend, you wonder what is the point at this particular juncture, especially when you look at just the what was going on in, in Boulder, where assault weapons were banned, um, they had all these laws on the books, but yet and still, many people died. So do you think any common sense will come out of this when it comes to the Democrats? Absolutely not, because the Democrats know that they are in complete power and control. And of course, the Senate is a toss up. We know this and we are all hoping for a little bit of moderation there. But what I'm truly concerned about and what Biden even said after the tragedy is that, you know, he doesn't really have to wait to start enacting the reforms that he wants. This has been a president who has been largely lost, who has been a puppet for the left. But what really concerns me and a lot of the actions that he's taken has been through executive order, action or fiat. And so that is where my biggest concern comes from. And, you know, talking about President Biden, I don't even look at President Biden as the real threat here. It's who's controlling him, who is his puppeteer. That's what truly concerns me. And as we've seen with the Democrats, every socialist or far left agenda item that they wanted to implement for the last several years, they're pushing through in the first few months that they've had this control and power. So when you look at the next three and a half years, that is cause for concern. Do you think that we're actually going to see something happen in terms of this gun reform legislation? Because it seems as though Democrats have been unafraid to just throw whatever up against a wall and try to get everything they want, particularly you look at the covert relief, uh, you look at the tax hikes that they're looking to push through here soon. And they do have the majority in the House. And certainly it is a toss up in the Senate. But if they get rid of the filibuster, no need for 60 votes. Let's just go in and do it as they would. Do you think that's going to happen? Oh, I think it absolutely is. I, I think everything that you're seeing is just prepping and preparing for that and what they're not able to ramrod through, they're going to find other creative avenues with which to do it. And another thing I hope people understand and pay attention to is that HR1, the uh, the voting rights that they talk about, the for the people, which could is really anything but, that's right. another cause for concern. And I think the Democrats are going to do whatever they can, pass whatever they want. It's going to be like Obamacare 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. But what really concerns me, just like they did with the so-called COVID relief, and as we know that less than 10% of that was actually COVID relief in that nearly $2 trillion spending bill, taxpayer funded. They passed these things off as COVID relief or common sense gun reform. And a lot of the American people who watch mainstream media, they fall for it. They believe it. And a lot of these representatives and senators, they feel comfortable going along with it, even if they are more moderate, because it's passed off as something that it's truly not so they can get away with it. So at the end of the day, it comes back to informing Americans, making sure that people understand what's going on and don't fall for the buzzwords because they're going to do everything they can. It's time for us to get smarter and make them fear for their reelection. Well, I, th I think we're already at that point in terms of them fearing for their reelection. I think that's part of the reason why Nancy Pelosi and others are trying to shift as much through as possible at this particular juncture, because they understand that the House is is going to change in 2022. I, d I don't think there's any question about that. And what we've been seeing out of the Joe Biden administration, even the people who don't like Donald Trump, they don't like his rhetoric, they don't like the Twitter stuff. Those folks are going to see a change in their taxes and how much they're paying in the economics that we see, gas prices, etc. So there's a strong chance Republicans are going to take back the House, then the Senate, and the White House is going to be very much in place. This, this, in my view, seems to be 
a real play to get as much through as they possibly can because they know they're going to lose. Well, wouldn't that have been nice if that would have happened in the first couple of years of the Trump administration, especially with regards to the border? If Republicans could have joined together and made some real changes, too bad we don't work that way. That was another one of my big frustrations. And I, again, always worry about the rhinos and we can talk about that at another time. But yeah, no, I do think that they're they're fearful. I think that they know that the American people are not going to be happy with what they're doing. But like I said, this is why what concerns me is changes that they make in voting. You know, it's one thing to say that the American people will vote them out. It's another thing thing if they make it dang near impossible. And I know that that's become a for, forbidden term and forbidden word to talk about voter fraud or election integrity, but it's something that needs to be discussed. And I know that they like to use what happened with the insurrection on January 6th to silence and shut people up from talking about the important issue of voter fraud and election integrity. But we need to be talking about it because what they can't get through with their with their elections or with their popularity, they'll get through with changing voting laws and changing districting and they'll do it that way. So that's my real concern here. Yeah, we, we did see that in the last election. And I, I'm sure that Nancy Pelosi felt it was a, a strong success. So why not continue it in other ways and from a federal mandate? So you're a thousand percent right. But here's the real issue, Tommy. We got a lot of Republicans in office who seemingly don't stand up or speak forcefully on these issues. It seems as though uh, a lot of members in the GOP are weak. Why is that? Trump was the only one who spoke forcefully on these issues. And and honestly, Democrats have been running over Republicans for quite a while, just in terms of beating the media narrative, being forceful in their language and trying to take things over. Shouldn't we be doing that as well? We absolutely should. And of course, we're always going to behave differently than the left and the Democrats. And I think it's a standard we hold ourselves to and one we should continue. However, we don't stick together. And there are still so many Republicans out there in elected positions who still have a lot of bitterness towards Donald Trump and what he was able to do. You know, they asked me before and they've asked me so many times since, what do you think about Trump 2024? And I, I'm all for it. If not Trump 24, 24 uh, DeSantis or another great America first conservative. But they say, you know, they're there's a divide, there's a split in the Republican Party. And I tell folks, there is no split and there is no divide. Make make no mistake, this is still Donald Trump's party. Whether they like to think so in the D.C. Beltway or not, in the real world, in real America, this is still very much Donald Trump's party. And I think that that makes them rather jaded and bitter sometimes in D.C. And they feel like they need to fight back against that. They feel like they need to get back the GOP establishment, the good old boys club. And they don't like the fact that America First really took over this movement. And so I think that's why you see a lot of them and their rhino tendencies coming out now, especially when they don't have Donald Trump in the White House. More with Tommy Lahren right after the break. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! 
and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced, natural wool and environmentally safe foams the natural hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary indulges your senses and supports a greener tomorrow plus when you purchase the natural hybrid you're also helping fuel lisa's work with shelters and those in need since 2015 lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Let me ask you about this because you, you mentioned the bitterness with some of these members of the Republican Party. Now, is it fair for folks to maybe not speak as nicely about the former president, considering he does go after people fairly harshly and he continues to poke his finger in their, their eye. And I'm talking about members of the GOP here, not the Democrats. I'm all for that. But with some members of the GOP, I'm not talking necessarily you're a rhino, but anyone that he goes after and they tend to hold these grudges forever. <laughs> seemingly, right. You think about Mitt Romney or John McCain or whoever else. He did go after some of these folks in very personal terms. So is it fair for them to hold a grudge? You know, anybody can hold a personal grudge and anyone can feel wronged by anyone and everyone's feelings are valid. But what they have to understand and what I think that they've forgotten, both on the left and the right, at least when it comes to the swamp on both the left and the right, is that they are not represent representative of themselves. They mm. represent constituents. So if they can be bitter all day long, they can be mad, they can go back and forth and attack Donald Trump and get into the pettiness if they want. But what they need to understand is Donald Trump's policies worked for their constituents. So when they sit there bitter and they want to go back at him and they want to talk about his rhetoric or his tweets or the kind of person he is or his character, at the end of the day, the American people care about the policies that made their lives better. And those policies were policies under Donald J. Trump. So for now, these Republicans not to go and fight for those policies, whether they're under Trump or anybody else, that is where the true frustration comes in. They forget who they work for. They do not work for themselves. They do not work for each other. They work for us. And I agree. It should be what the people want. It's, it's just like when the impeachment votes came down this last go round, and you saw... I don't remember how many was it, four or five Republicans in the House that voted for impeachment. I don't remember what the number was. But the the question is that your constituents want the president um, impeached. And that that's a really great point. So thank you for mentioning that. Absolutely agree with that. Let's move on to the media. And I know that uh, we've both been in media for a long time. I remember when I used to come on your show. Now, things have changed since we both got in media many years ago. Well, it feels like many years. We're still very young. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems as though the media was a little more credible back then. And things have certainly changed uh, since 2016. And now they have the lowest approval rating, I think, of both political parties and Congress. What do you think we really stand with media? Will there be any change, any accountability for the Democratic Party, any accountability for the Biden administration? What the hell is going on? Well, you know, this is really nothing new. We saw them coddle Barack Obama for eight years plus. So I don't think it's any shock to, to most that the mainstream media leans to the left and now is increasingly leaning to the left. It's not like this is a new phenomenon. Of course, Trump derangement syndrome certainly took its effect and pushed them further to the left and made their biases a little bit more clear to the general public. But I think the real thing here and the thing that concerns me most is not just the lack of accountability that the media has of themselves and of this Biden administration, but also this, this cancel culture. Mm. And we talk about it a lot. And a lot of times we talk about it in abstract terms as just, you know, canceling the My Pillow guy or canceling Mr. Potato Head or Dr. Seuss. But this is bigger than that. The media, the reason that they feel so comfortable being so far to the left and preaching the things that they preach and being so one-sided is because those on the right or even those in the middle are so fearful of canceling 
cancel culture that they're almost afraid to question anybody and anything because everyone is so head shy on the right. So that's I think true. that's why the media has this this Teflon feeling that they have that they're invincible and untouchable because everyone else is so afraid to say anything. And our First Amendment rights really are being chipped away, whether it's on the big tech platforms or on college campuses or where have you. That is why this media has run so rampant and it's getting so much worse. Everyone else is so afraid to stand up and say anything. That's true. But how do we how do we as conservatives combat that? I think uh, back to the Hunter Biden story with the New York Post, it obviously was censored by Twitter. But a lot of these news organizations simply didn't report on it. So when Trump had that second debate with the first debate, he mentioned the Hunter Biden story and people didn't know what he was talking about. They said, what do you, you know, <laughs> what did this, where's 10% for the big guy? No one heard of it except for those who watch Fox News and some of these other conservative networks or look at conservative blogs. Is there anything we can do to penetrate those spaces? Well, absolutely. I think there's always more to innovation and more to creating a platform, you know, and it was announced that Donald Trump may come out with his own social media platform, which is great. And it is frustrating because every time conservatives or independents do try to come up with a platform such as Parler, the left still finds a way to shut it down and take it off the app store. So we're going to have to continue to be innovative. But when we talk about what conservatives can do to battle cancel culture in general, because I get this question a lot because people wonder, well, hey, yeah, we all hate cancel culture, but what do we really do about it? Well, I'll tell you a story. My boyfriend's family, they're doing in-person or virtual learning. And the family is big Trump supporters. So in the back of a 12-year-old's Zoom class, he has a a cutout of Donald Trump. And the teacher said, hey, you need to put that down. It's offensive. You know, you're going to get kicked out if if you don't put that down. So of course, being a 12-year-old and having his teacher instruct him to do that, he goes and takes away the cardboard cutout of Donald Trump and just lays down and plays dead. And when his mom found out about it, of course, she was hopping mad, thinking, in my own house, I can't have a poster of Donald Trump or a cutout of Donald Trump. But at the end of the day, it was, am I going to go in and say something to the teachers and my kid is going to suffer because of it? Uh, I don't want to be that parent that does that to my kid. Well, herein lies the problem. There are probably so many other parents that share that same sentiment, but everybody feels like they're alone on the right. You you lived in California. I lived in California. We know how that is. So many secret conservatives, so many conservatives in everyday life that are not in the media, not in the public eye, but choose to be quiet to save their own skin. But what if we all came together and we found support within one another and we said, we're going to refuse to be canceled because we're going to show not only big tech, we're going to show these companies, these institutions, these administrations, these college campuses that we are not alone. It's not one lone conservative battling the mob. It's a lot of us. Imagine if we could do that, what kind of change we could make. But it's going to take people being a little bit more brave and a little bit more bold and willing to stick their neck out there and put themselves on the line to do it. But if enough of us are willing to do it, we can make some big changes and this won't happen anymore. Yeah, and I think that's tough for a lot of people. You're right about California, the, the secret conservatives. And I've had a lot of people walk up to me in L.A. and say, hey, I watch you on Fox News. And I look like, wow, you watch Fox News? Because it's surprising. Exactly. Especially black Americans. And it happens to me. And I'm like, wow, seriously? You watch Fox? And it's it's surprising. It's incredibly surprising. And people don't want to put themselves out there like that. Because once you get canceled, that's it for a lot of people. I remember growing up on the south side of Chicago. And what they used to say about Republicans is, if you anyone's a Republican, conservative, whatever the case, They're completely and totally racist. Now it's a little bit different. It's, oh, well, maybe you're not a racist if you hate Donald Trump. But if you're a Trump supporter, then you're absolutely a racist. They've changed the narrative. And it seems to be sticking with a lot of people that they don't want to stick their necks out there, especially if they're not in the public sphere. And just imagine how bad things got after 2016, where it was, oh, you're a Trump supporter. I hate you. Unfollow, unfriend. I don't want to talk to you anymore. And it's just it's kind of a matter of insanity. What happened to us just having different political views or different views on issues, but still being friends and having a good time, go to the bar and have a drink? What happened to that, Tommy? Oh, it's very unfortunate. And, you know, that's happened to me a number of times as well. Not really so much with me because everyone knows where I stand, but just people that are friends with me that have other friends that no longer talk to them because they're with me or people that own businesses. And, of course, it's trying to boycott their business because they're seen with me or they're friends with me. And I'm sure you've had the same thing happen to you. But, again, I go back to this. 
the reason that it is so unbalanced and the reason that it tilts so far to the left and they have so much power, it is our own fault. We Mm. used to have a time where you could be a Republican or maybe even a Trump supporter. And you could still exist as a Republican and be proud of being that. And we could have differing views and have friends on the left, have friends in the middle. And we could maybe talk about politics, maybe just leave politics and religion out of it. We could do that. But then it got to this point where the left started getting more and more angry, out for blood, because Donald Trump won that election and they did not think he was going to win. And so what did they do? They came for us and they came for us hard. And what did we do? Well, Unfortunately, a lot of conservatives backed down and we said, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my beliefs. Let me apologize for my beliefs. Please just be my friend. Please just hire me. Please just let me in this group. We did it to ourselves. Why are we so weak? The left is not weak. They are not. They might look weak, <laughs> but they're not. Yeah. They band together. There, there are few liberals who are ever going to be apologetic about their views or worry about offending somebody. They go into every room and every situation thinking everyone in there is a liberal. And I know you know it because it happens all the time. They right. think everyone around them is a liberal. They don't care who they offend. But at the end of the day, so many conservatives are so scared. Why are we like that? We're talking with Tommy Waring. More with her right after Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Knowing the culture is controlling so much today, how can conservative media or conservatives gain a greater influence in the culture? And you've done that successfully. You've been... Talked about on the Breakfast Club. People talk about you all <laughs> over. You have friends that aren't all all uh, Republicans. You have um, some who are very influential Democrats. People of all celebrities, all kind of folks. Uh, either they hate you, or they love you, or they want to spend time with you and just get to know you. Well, I found too, and I'm sure that you've experienced the same thing, is that people come into a conversation with me wanting to hate me. For example, like a Trevor Noah or Charlemagne or a Chelsea Handler. They want to go into situations with me hating me because they don't align with my views. But if they just spend a little bit of time with me one-on-one, they hate the fact that they actually might kind of like me or at least they find me tolerable as a human being. And I find that that changes things. I mean, it was about a about four years ago to this date that I was on The View. And Joy Behar, though obviously she went after me and, and did not like me for my beliefs, 
she came up to me afterwards and was shocked that she enjoyed being around me. And it was almost like she had this revelation that she wanted to hate me so badly, but she couldn't. And so I think it's up to us too to show our personalities more. Conservatives need to do that. We need to do a better job of that. Where some of us are really good at, at being on media or being on platforms and being, you know, hard asses or, or being aggressive and taking the fight to the left. And that's all great. We need to continue doing that. But there's also a part of it where we can show that we're real human beings. We have fun just like anybody else. We enjoy the same things that liberals enjoy. We're all people. But conservatives have for too long been afraid to show that side of themselves because we feel like we need to hold ourselves into some kind of a, a square and we need to be so prudish. We don't need to be that way. <laughs> I think that we could build a lot of barriers if we were just ourselves. I think you and I do that pretty well. But I would encourage more conservatives to do just that. But it, and it just comes with once you do it more and you have difficult conversations and you stop apologizing for your beliefs, it becomes a habit. And then it becomes known that that's who you are and about you and know that people know that they're not going to change your mind or shame you. And then the conversation seems to change a little bit. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's all about getting out there. And that's, that's a, that one of the points that you just made, which really resonated with me in terms of being yourself. And when I joined the GOP over well over a decade ago, it was the, the vibe that I got was if you're not conservative on every issue, you can't be a real conservative. You can't be a real Republican. Things changed after Trump got in because, we you know, he wasn't an ideologue. He he had some views that differed from the party. But from a standard, he was all there and he accomplished a lot of great things, especially from an economic standpoint. That was excellent. And one of the things we can really, really appreciate. So. How would you, because you've said famously and publicly that some of your, um, you hold some socially liberal views despite being a conservative. How would you describe your political philosophy or ideology? Sure. And there are so many conservatives that, that do stack up that way, especially young conservative women. And I've had so many that said, hey, you know, I always thought I was a liberal because I am either pro-choice or I'm pro-LGBT. So I thought I was a liberal. But that's the only two liberal positions that I have. Everything else I'm conservative on. The things that, quite honestly, truly matter in terms of the way that the country is safe and secure, taxes, economics, businesses, prosperity, education, all those things, they stacked up conservatively. But those two issues, abortion and same-sex marriage, they said, well, you know, I think I'm a liberal because I, I'm okay with those things. No, you're not a liberal. You are socially more liberal on a couple of those things. That doesn't make you a liberal and, you know, vice versa. But the problem is for conservatives is we exclude people sometimes. We say, hey, you know, if you don't fit the mold completely and entirely, then you're not a, quote, real conservative. That's been levied against me many times because I've said I'm pro-choice and because I believe in limited government. And then people also on the conservative side, which I find so frustrating, is that they want to back you into a corner and then now they want to label me as pro-abortion. Oh, excuse me. I never said I was pro-abortion. I said I'm pro-choice because I believe in limited government. There's a big difference there. We need to understand that people exist on a spectrum. And it doesn't mean that they can't be in the club. It doesn't mean that they're not good conservatives. It means we're expanding the tent mm. so that's something conservatives need to do better with and we need to not be afraid to upset our conservative friends as well there's room for all of us here yes. we've got varying points of view and you know you and i probably disagree on, on a few things too we're both great conservatives i'm very hard on, on prison and criminal justice reform i'm very much a law and order type girl so a lot of the first step back stuff i was very vocally against I a remember. lot of conservatives <laughs> were for it a lot of conservatives were for it but hey and, and Donald Trump obviously was for it. Not something that I really rode with. Mm -hmm. But that's all right. Let's have the discussion and conversation. That's what makes us better. Yeah, I agree. We, sh we should definitely be having those conversations. I remember uh, some of the things you were tweeting, and I was responding to your tweets. I, I, I remember the criminal justice conversation, and I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> now, now, I want to go back to the point you made. You said that you're... You're pro-choice, not pro-abortion. What does that really, really mean? Well, that means, hey, listen, this is a sticky issue and it's a complicated one. I don't think that government should be used to solve problems that government can't solve. So, and this is obviously a touchy subject and there are so many folks out there with such strong opinions on this. I don't like abortion. I don't believe in abortion. I don't believe that that is a method of birth control. However, 
when the government comes in and cracks down, especially a couple of years ago when it was even in the case of, of rape or incest, too far, too far. Understand that someone that's in that position, for, for the majority of people in that position that are considering abortion, they're in the lowest place of their life. Mm. They are struggling. And do I think that the government coming in and saying you can't do this is going to solve that problem for them or is going to make them make good choices or make them make the right choice? No, I don't think that's government's place. Now, I believe that the church, the family, the community, that's when they step in and say, hey, listen, choose life. And those are great conversations to have. Make people feel accepted. But another thing that, that bothers me about some conservatives and especially some faith-based conservatives is that they judge people being in that position, but then they judge people for trying to get out of that position. You can't do both. You're either going to wrap your arms around somebody and encourage them to choose life, or you're, or you're not. But you can't shame them on both ends of the aisle and expect expect the, the results that you want. So I just want us to have an honest, open conversation about issues that are really difficult without having to say, oh, nope, get out. You're not a conservative. These are difficult issues. A lot of people struggle with those issues. And it's a conversation that needs to be wide open and more discussion needs to be had. It's not just pro-abortion or pro-life. There's a lot of gray area there that needs to be discussed. And you sound very passionate about it. I'm I'm curious, have you ever talked someone out of having an abortion? Have you ever been in a situation yourself? No, I haven't. But to me, it's just the frustration of it because I don't like when people are judgmental of mm. others that are in difficult positions. And I will tell you, I haven't had that personal experience, but I'll tell you this. I have a, a good friend who is in Dallas and she is a, a detective. She works on crimes against children. So she's told me, and we've had this discussion many times, that she goes into households that have dealt with incest and a nine, ten-year-old girl is pregnant. What do you do in that situation? Wow. When you've seen it and you've been around it, it's a little different. The conversation becomes a little bit more fuzzy. So I don't like judgmental. I like people that work towards great solutions and work towards the outcomes that are going to be best for everybody. And I believe that that is life. But to judge somebody at their lowest moment and say that government's going to solve the problem, I just don't believe in that. You really sound very passionate about this. And it's it's. Have you felt judged? And, and obviously people have judged you. You've millions of views on this, that, and the other. You're very, very famous in this space. And generally, did, did it hit a chord as you think about these issues, especially around abortion, people being judged and being at the lowest points of their lives at that moment? It sounds like, like a very emotional experience for you, like almost like your voice is cracking. It may not be, but that's what I'm hearing. I feel the, the real connection to the subject matter. Well, it is because I lost my job over it. So that's that's a big one for me. I mean, I went through, after saying what I said on The View, going through getting fired from the blaze and having a six-month lawsuit that nearly bankrupt me. So it's, it's a touchy subject for me. But it's one where I stood up for what I believe in. Mm. I do think that there are some issues, though, and, and not just the abortion issue, but issues that conservatives sometimes can lack compassion on. And the left is very good at it. You know, we don't lead with feelings. We lead with facts. And I'm not saying we should change that. But there are times when we can feel compassion for people that are in low points and we can understand that we need to wrap our arms around people and that the government is never going to be good at doing that which is why I believe so strongly in limited government but I think for me when you ask me if I feel judged well of course I feel judged I lost my job over it for expressing an opinion and a view but I, I've also had a lot of conservatives come after me and use that label with me that I'm not a real conservative that I, I don't belong here well she is pro-choice so she is not one of us course I felt judged on that issue but at the end of the day it doesn't mean I'm going to stop saying it mm. I don't care if Ben Shapiro calls me a bimbo every single day he can do that that's fine I'm not going to back down I never backed down once in my life and I'm not going to start today because a conservative tells me I'm not a conservative okay not going to happen <laughs> especially when there are so many of those quote-unquote conservatives who were never Trumpers and then Trump won, and then all of a sudden, they wanted us all to forget that they were never Trumpers. Okay? Mm. Not how it works. But I didn't strip their conservative card for that reason. So don't come after mine, because I have a view that might not align with yours. A lot of room for a lot of conservatives in this movement. No, I really appreciate that that response there. Thank you for sharing that. Now, uh, you mentioned conservatives sometimes don't wrap their their arms around folks on particular issues, and I've seen... Um, as an exam example, Candace Owens, when it came to George Floyd, she made more of a mention of his criminal record than it being a tragedy. Some argued 
Would you think that that would be another issue with some of these issues of race where tragedies happen? And granted, we recognize the fact that law enforcement is majority good. I would argue that most of the law enforcement that I've worked with, and I, I was a spokesperson for a law enforcement organization. I support the police. I'm very pro-police. I do believe there should be police reform. Is that one of the considerations around it for you? Now, when we're talking about police reform, that's sticky for me because you know how pro-law enforcement I am, and I think that the police do the best that they can with the resources they have, and the goal is never going to be to defund the police and take away those resources because it only makes them better to have more resources at their disposal. But I will say this. At CPAC, actually, Dan Bongino was on our Fox Nation show, and he said something to me that really resonated, and it's something that I'll take with me. He said whenever he does interviews or talks about law enforcement or he talks about BLM or some of the social justice issues in our country, especially over this past summer, he said that even though he's incredibly pro-law enforcement, the way that he approaches these issues with people who disagree with him on that issue is he says, I acknowledge the fact that you've had different experiences than I've had. Mm. Now, that was something that kind of hit me because I was like, you know what? It's okay to say that. It's okay for me to be very pro-law enforcement, and I am. Probably one of the most pro-law enforcement people you'll ever speak to. But it's okay for me to understand that my experiences are not going to be the same as yours. And your experiences aren't going to be the same as mine. So we should always try to come from a place of at least understanding where someone is coming from, even if we don't agree with it. And then go to battle, go to war, talk about the policies, talk about the, the, the issues all day long and disagree. But we can take a moment to come from a place of understanding and not automatically think that the other person is wrong, but maybe just the other person has different experiences. That's something that, quite honestly... I need to get better at and I'm learning how to do that and I think it's making me better as a political commentator and as a person and I'm going to continue to do that. Wow, that <laughs> Yeah, that was a great response. Tommy, thank you for thank you for that. <laughs> now what what did you think of the George Floyd situation generally? Hey, listen, obviously anybody that watched that knows that it was a tragedy. I don't think anybody could watch that video and, and not feel just absolutely gut-wrenched by it. Now, obviously horrible tragedy. What happened afterwards and people using his name and using the experience to destroy this country, to destroy one another, to destroy businesses, to create such a racial divide in this country like we haven't seen since we had segregation and slavery. That to me was also incredibly sickening. But it, another thing that bothers me is this BLM movement. It started out as Black Lives Matter. Hey, understand our communities are hurting. I can, I can get on board with that. We can have that discussion. But once you start moving to defund the police, all cops are bastards, fry them like bacon, looting, burning, and feeling justified in that, and using George Floyd and other people as your banner, I can't get on board with that. And I also can't get on board with companies who put BLM over everything knowing that their agenda is to destroy the nuclear family, they have Marxist roots, and they wanted to fund the police. So that's where I, I take a lot of issue with what happened afterwards. But it's okay to say what happened to George Floyd was completely and totally wrong. It's okay to have those discussions, even as someone that's pro-law enforcement. There are so many people in law enforcement that were gut-wrenched by that, if not everybody in law enforcement that was gut-wrenched by that. But what happened afterwards? Inexcusable. And I don't disagree, not one bit. Absolutely inexcusable. And a lot of these people who went into their own neighborhood and destroyed them, <laughs> leading to billions of dollars of losses during the pandemic made matters even worse. So you can't say that you're marginalized um, and creating more of a, a destitute situation for yourself. So that's, that is a, a strong point of view there. Now, do you think in a situation like that, police reform would be necessitous? Maybe additional police training so that something like that wouldn't happen again? You know, it's really easy to look back at it and say, hey, we need police reform. What really concerns me, though, is nationalizing that, which is something I think the Democrats really want. They want a set of rules and regulations that's at a national level. Every community is different. Every police department is different. I think we need more community outreach. I think we need more officers who are willing to go into those communities, to go into schools, to build those bonds and build those relationships and break down some of that mistrust that has been there for generations. I think that that would go along 
away, probably a lot further than actual police reform. But I also look at what happened in, in California with some of their police reform and speaking to so many officers, officers that say, hey, listen, we're in these positions where we're going to these communities and we're trying to protect and serve oftentimes minority communities or communities of color. But we are so dang terrified to make a wrong move to do anything that we're either going to put ourselves in the line of danger and death and not come home to our families at night, or we're going to sit back and we're going to do nothing and we're going to leave these communities defenseless because we're so afraid to act. And that's what a lot of California policies have done to their police force there. So that is what really concerns me when we start talking about police reform is that we're going to get to the level of California where officers are like, hey, listen, I can't win here. I want to go into these communities. I want to protect and I want to serve and I want to go home to my family at night. But these policies have made it so that I'm unable to do that. And what happens when they start feeling that way? You're going to lose the good officers. You're going to lose the good officers that are out there to protect and serve. And what you're probably going to get is you're going to get the bad apples. So that's what truly concerns me when we talk about police reform and some of the policies that are that are put forth. If we're going to use the California model, I'm uninterested. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's more than California. So I agree, I think that there should be some form of police reform trainings, the, the, the Senator Tim Scott method, if you will. But at the same time, Illinois, I think, is another example. They just passed a police reform, whereas you can anonymously call in on an officer make an accusation unverified, and they can literally be dismissed from their job. It's, it's really insane. And that right there is where you lose a lot of good officers. They perhaps think, hey, I've been doing this for 15, 20 years. I might as well retire. I'm not going to deal with this BS. And I would agree with that assessment. So common sense reform for me, and I understand your, your, your point of view. Now, if I can switch gears right before we get to the border, because I want to talk about your trip to the border here soon, but if I can get you to – just let your hair down, Tommy Lahren, um, <laughs> after dark, if you will. Uh, so last year, you had this this video that went really, really viral where you were talking about men. And <laughs> everyone picked it up. I was going to call you before we had this conversation just to make sure we could talk about it. Like, hey, do you mind if I oh, mention that? But it was so good. And honestly, as an individual who's been talking about relationships, I had Dr. Drew on here talking about relationships. There's a guy by the name of Kevin Samuels that I want to bring on to talk about relationships. But you have a very interesting point of view. And would you mind sharing some of the points you made that went viral? Because I thought a lot of them were credible points. And as a man who um, I want to get married very soon, if you will, as a man who's in that particular space, what should men be looking out for? What What are women who are in these great positions and they're great women, what should guys be looking out for and what should they be doing to get those particular women? Sure, and I won't say that women are are blameless in this either because women have changed a lot too. But uh, millennials and then even worse, the generation after us, just the way that the interactions are, the the surface level, the shallow, the leaving somebody of value because you want to post somebody on your Instagram that might look a certain way, it seems like we're completely losing sight of valuing value, which is one of the points in my video, my PSA to boy, men is that it does seem like everybody is living for the gram everybody's living to be validated by how attractive the person that they're they're with is or what status they have and people are not going underneath the hood and figuring out the character of somebody the beliefs the the value the the tenacity the determination and it's a problem and and we're seeing it more and more now and the number of, of young women I'm telling you, I'm only 28 years old. But right now, what I'm seeing among my friends and and their younger sisters is 21-year-old girls who are dating 50-something-year-old men. And these 50-something-year-old men, they're no longer interested in even a 25-year-old. They want a 21-year-old. Why? (laughs) Do they have anything in common with a 21-year-old? I'm going to go ahead and say probably not. But the problem is, is that these 21-year-old girls, they want to have things, they want to have the luxury, they want to have, you know, the money, and these men want to have a hot girl on their arm. All what? All for other people. All so that other people can validate and verify them. And I think that's a big problem, not only with men, but with women right now. I also think another problem, and I always call it, you know, excuse my language, but the pussification of American men, it's a problem. Mm. Men do not know how to interact anymore from a position of, from of strength and i'm not saying that we need the so-called toxic masculinity but men are terrified to go and actually approach a woman in real life 
and speak to her like a human being. They would rather hide in a DM or be a pen pal and not actually interact with people. It's astonishing to me how many men are just terrified of having a conversation and they'd really like to keep everything on the surface. And I think it just comes from a deep insecurity and, and men just really aren't men anymore. And I'm sure that there are some. But from my experience, boy, it's hard out there. If you're a woman with goals and you're a woman who knows herself and is confident, you're going to come off as intimidating and it's not something that men want. They want the easy route. They don't want to have to work at it. They want the 21-year-old who just wants the lip filler and the Instagram photo and... Uh, that's about it, unfortunately. So the the sugar daddy culture has exploded, and they're getting the twenty one years old twenty one year old women at fifty. Yeah, and there are so many young girls who seem to want that. I mean, girls that that don't have daddy issues. That you know, you typically think about a, a girl that's going to go for an older man or want to be taken care of is like, oh, I bet she's got some issues or or something. No, no, no. These are just average girls that are brought up in great families that are otherwise have everything going for them, but. It's the gram, I'm telling you, it's the Instagram, it's the TikTok, they want to have the labels, they want to be in, on a fancy vacation, Is maybe it's reality TV creeping in there too, I don't know what it is, but boy, we need to not only educate our, our young men, but educate our young women on what value is. I'm afraid we're losing as a culture in a fast and rapid rate. And let me tell you, as someone who lived in L.A., I completely agree with you on that. And I'll tell you, though, a lot of women... Where it used to be when we were growing up during those years, it was all about uh, securing yourself. You wanted to look appropriate. You wanted to make sure you you didn't sleep with a guy the first time you meet him. And I hate to mention that, but a lot of times it happens. Yeah. And then some women, though, they, especially in L.A., in those kind of environments, they're expecting things if you want to get to know them. Uh, and not necessarily that I've had the experience because I don't go for that, but they're looking for guys that are going to cash them out. They want the fine dates. They want Tiffany bracelets. They want uh, Birkin bags. They want Christian lubes. They want the whole deal. Otherwise, you're not getting to know them. That's where a lot of education is necessitous at this point. Would you agree? Especially you haven't lived in L.A. You've seen it firsthand. You know, and I would like to say that it's just L.A., and I actually mentioned that in my video because, you know, folks often say, like, maybe it's just the city that you live in. It's like that. And everyone thinks it's their city that's like that. Everyone thinks it's L.A. or it's Miami or it's Dallas or it's Nashville or it's where you live. I can tell you I've lived a lot of places, and it's a problem everywhere. And I think it just goes back to that valuing value. And, and you're right. There are women are not blameless in this. There are a lot of women that think that they are owed something, and it is the Instagram of the whole thing. It's probably a lot to do with culture and, and reality TV and what people think a relationship looks like because of what they see on TV or what they see on Instagram. And they think that that's fulfilling. Um, at the end of the day, you and I know it's not. Right. But I, I worry also, and I hate to always blame the parents, but you kind of have to a little bit in certain circumstances. Because I think if you have a good family and you have – that tight-knit family that spends time together, that talks about values or that has family values, I think that translates into relationship values. And unfortunately, that's deteriorating. I mean, how many families do you see at dinner or how many moms do you see pushing strollers that are on their Instagram or on their TikTok not paying an ounce of attention to their kid, not really coming together as a family? You know, you see people on, on dates, married couples, both on their phones. This is a, a big problem, but I think it goes back to family values and we need to restore those as well before we even start getting into relationship values. Yeah, and that's going to be a tough one. How do we restore family family values is a, a, a whole nother conversation. And I think that's tough. Uh, people who are listening to this podcast right now, they may be older. They may not be all young folks. Uh, and I think a lot of folks don't understand the pressures that come with dating these days. It is a totally different ball game. It's a new language Generation Z is on one, if you will, <laughs> and <laughs> the standards have changed. And what I've realized is even when you treat uh, a woman, I've had experiences with the utmost respect and dignity and you don't do anything wrong, still and all, some of those women could be uh, more interested in the, the glitz and the glamour of the, the basketball player or, you know, the, the guy <laughs> who just has the fast money who's willing to spend it however he can. And that's that's what's really disappointing to me at this particular time. 
I, th- I wish men and women would have these conversations because I think women are oftentimes have this, some of the same concerns. I mean, just as you're saying that you're, you don't like women who are interested in the stuff, in the materialistic things, then there are so many women that are like, hey, listen, I'm a good woman, but all this guy wants is the 21-year-old. So I think that there's got to be a place for people that are serious to find each other and have the conversations because there's, uh, I think there's a big lack of communication too and everyone thinks that they need to put up a facade. You know, men think that they have to be something and women think they have to be something and if everyone would just be themselves, we'd probably be a lot better off but people are so afraid to be that anymore. Yeah, and it goes I back to confidence that. too. I think for me, you know, I stopped worrying about what people thought about me 10 years ago. I don't care anymore. So I'm going to be me. And if people find that intimidating or they want something else, I mean, like, go find it because right. I found that confidence in myself. And I think that that confidence attracts the right people. So I think confidence is another big thing we need to be teaching more of true confidence, not Instagram validation and likes. But true confidence, if you take all that away. Yeah, I agree. We should do an Instagram live on that. I'm following you on IG. Yeah, um, let's do it. Absolutely. I would love to actually do that. I'll text you on that. Now, let me ask you about your trip to the border. You got an exciting trip to the border. And when I say exciting, you're going to be able to show Americans what's really going on, not what the Biden administration is lying about. What should we expect to see? This is going to be a Fox Nation special, I imagine. Yes, it is. And I'm so glad, Gianna, only you and I could go from talking about sugar daddies to talking (laughs) about the border. So I really love that transition there. But yeah, uh, next week, uh, I've done several border trips. I've been to really all corners of it on on several official trips during the Trump administration where Customs and Border Protection was more than happy to have me down there and see what was going on, even when it was really bad and the caravans were coming through. But as it's been talked about a lot in the media, finally, there's has been, uh, even if it's not an official gag order, it is an implied gag order. I'd never be able to go down with Border Patrol and have an official visit like I did during the Trump administration because this administration is just not going to allow it, especially for someone like me. But luckily, there are ways to go around that. For me, um, I want to talk, if I can't talk to Border Patrol, uh, I'm going to talk to the ranchers, the landowners, the people that are living in these towns that are being invaded and flooded with illegal immigrants. I want to go talk to them because they're seeing this stuff firsthand. I'm going to talk to a rancher in Arizona, in a small town in Arizona next week, who is seeing people, I mean, going through his yard, in his barn, it just absolutely with no regard for his property, and they're coming in by the thousands. Wow. Now, just imagine that as a landowner, and then also feeling like you're kind of defenseless. I mean, what do you really do? You got thousands of people coming onto your property. You're trying to run a ranch. You're trying to be a property owner, and you're having to deal with this because of this Biden administration cattle call that he issued, an open borders agenda that he is pushing. So I'm going to go down and get the real story, and I'm going to bring it back and show everybody on Fox Nation And uh, I think people are going to be really surprised to see what's really going on. Not these official congressional visits, but what's really going on. Yeah, well, we look forward to seeing that, certainly. So we'll keep our eyes out for that. And before we let you go, what's next for you beyond the border project? You got a book coming out, new TV show. Uh, (laughs) What do you have going? (laughs) Oh, you know, I always got something on my sleeve. So I'm just having some fun right now. I enjoy doing stuff like this. I'm proud of you for everything that you're doing. Eventually, you you and I are going to get to work with each other on Fox. I know we will. It's been a long time coming, but (laughs) you and I will get to do something at some point. Hey, I'm just going to keep doing this and speaking the truth. So wherever that leads me, who really knows? But I'm I'm going to have some fun along the way. And uh, you and I can do that IG Live on relationships. I think we can have some fun on that. I know. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. Like I told you, I'm following you on there. We really should coordinate time to do that because I have so many stories in Let's that regard. Uh, sincerely. Now, what can people follow you on social media? Oh, boy. You know, you type in T-O-M-I, Tommy Laren, and you'll find me. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Whenever Trump comes out with his new social media platform, can't wait for that. You know, maybe someday uh, a nice, simple and and completely um, appropriate OnlyFans. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) I'm all over social media. You'll find me. I promise you. I I think you'll enjoy it. I have a lot of fun. Well, I know there's a lot of sugar daddies on OnlyFans, but you're not involved, (laughs) not interested. I understand that. I say that respectfully. Don't sue me. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're all good. (laughs) Okay. Well, Tommy, thank you so much for joining Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell, my friend. It's been a great conversation. And I can just tell from some of the things you were saying, just so much growth in your thought process, your opinions on things, and 
talking about having compassion for people, which I'm not saying you didn't have before. I thought you were awesome before, but it just goes a long way when someone who's such a big figure like you can have that kind of conversation because it informs other people and then they begin to think differently. So I thank you for that, Tommy. Absolutely. It was a great conversation. Good to talk to you, my friend, and uh, good luck in Florida. (laughs) Thank you so much. This is Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. Tommy Laren, everybody. Thanks to Tommy Laren for a great interview. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, please email me at outloud at gingrich360.com and I'll try to answer them in our future episodes. And please sign up for my monthly newsletter at gingrich360.com slash outloud. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Parlor at Gianno Caldwell. And if you're interested in learning more about my story, please pick up a copy of my best-selling book titled Taken for Granted, How Conservatism Can Win Back the Americans that Liberalism Failed. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Klingman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, all part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific.